Hello, I am Trey Ratcliffe, and welcome to my rather unusual podcast I call Walk and Talk with Trey. The show is mostly about creativity and consciousness, but the conversation often delves into other far-flung erudite subjects. Oh, and there's some silly stuff too. All of these were originally recorded on a 360-degree camera that I hold in front of me while I walk and talk with interesting people. This is the audio version that is more convenient in many situations, but keep in mind, you can always jump over to YouTube and watch the 361 too. It's fun because you can move the camera all around and see all the beautiful stuff that we're seeing. I came up with this weird idea when Kevin Kelly invited me to walk the famous Camino de Santiago hike in Spain with nine other people. Over the 200 kilometer trek, we were only allowed to talk about science and philosophy the whole time. So I thought, well, I should record some of these conversations. I never planned on making it a podcast, but now that I've recorded a bunch of them with really cool people, that's exactly what it's become. I've chosen not to have any advertising to keep things clean. If you like the podcast, then I've got something even better for you. I'd appreciate it if you became a member of my blog. We call it the Stuck in Customs Passport, and it's at www.stuckincustoms.com slash passport. For just the cost of a few cups of coffee, you get extra access to over 100 different videos. These range from hardcore photography how-to videos to inspirational videos, stuff lots of mind vitamins, and all other sorts of experiments. You'll love it. In this first episode, I talk with one of my intellectual heroes, Kevin Kelly. Man, I love this guy. Along on this walk and talk with us is Hugh Howey, one of my new besties and the author of the Wool series of books. I'm not going to spoil anything about this podcast, but I will say we spend most of the time talking about death rituals and what fun we can have with Kevin Kelly's body after he's dead. Hello, everybody. Trey Ratcliffe here. Welcome to the sixth anniversary of Season 2, Episode 7. Of course, we are now in season four, and this is episode six, I believe. And in this one, we're talking about death. Um, I'm here with my friends Kevin Kelly and Hugh Howie. How are you, gentlemen? Doing great. We're really great. We're uh, a little tired. A little tired. But a little yeah. invigorated at the same time. Invigorated. And just by happenstance, we happen to be here in a mausoleum. Which, which is, is very coincidental, because yeah. we want to talk about death. death. And it's apropos for the subject matter. Right. So we'll, we'll start walking here. We've already walked over 100 kilometers, and that's an accurate stat. But where are we, Kevin? Set the scene. So, yeah, we're on following the pilgrimage to the Church of Santiago, Spain, a very famous pilgrimage. We're on the last day, and we are approaching maybe 30 kilometers or less. And... Um, Right now we're passing through a village in the misty morning. It's around 9 a.m. It's still foggy. Um, and we are invigorated because we're going to finish today. Yeah, this is great. There's a yellow arrow. Oh, we, we made a, almost made a driftful mistake. Oh, this way. All right, yeah, you kind of follow these <coughs> shells. Yeah. So, and I'm also here with uh, Hugh Howie. Uh, one of my newest best friends. I really, a number of like really good friends. I can count on less than two hands. But you're in, you're inside the two hands now. Wow, I'd be happy to be on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I wouldn't want to be your 21st yeah. friend, though. <laughs> <laughs> the night is young. Um, Hugh, I, I read his books, um, wrote the, the Wool Silo series, and just an all-around great guy. You think sometimes someone's just an author, and you find out that there's many layers to his Cinnabon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Kevin has always been one of my intellectual heroes, and it's just a rare treat just to just to hear you talk and just to hear the things you say. It makes, kind of rearranges my brain a little bit, you know? Well, thank you, Trey. Um, it's mutual. Oh, thanks. Well, so Hugh and I were commenting on your, your love of uh, rituals and kind of reinventing rituals. And you, right. you had this great ritual that you reinvented for your children when they, when they turned 21. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this kind of got us into talking about it, a death ritual. But first, talk about this pretty unique thing you put together for your kids. Oh, so, so the, the challenge was that in American culture, we have very few rites of passage. There's, you know, wedding, you get married, there, we have the passage and ceremonies and rituals about having a baby and birthdays. Um, we have kind of wedding anniversaries, but we don't have a ritual for what I think one of the most important passages in anyone's life, which is when they become an adult. And there's kind of bar mitzvahs, and there's confirmation in the Catholics, and there's uh, a couple other traditional rituals in other cultures, but in American we don't have passage into adulthood. So for our kids, we decided to make a ritual, a family ritual, which also um, is personalized by the kids themselves. But one of the common themes that we have in our family for anybody, any kid that reaches 21, which we decided was the legal adult age, was um, we had a family and close friends ceremony at our house. And um, it was sort of we, summing up as the cutting of the cord. So to represent this, in this ceremony, there's a circle, family and friends are around, our child's there. There's a red cord that's tied between the child and the parents. And we have a scissors and we cut the cord. And that's the symbolic cutting of the cord. We have the toast of the first legal drink. Mm -hmm. We have, um, we give them their last check, which is really, by our intentions, the last check that they're gonna get, the last support. It is in fact a big check because it's coming from a fund that we started when they were born. And um, then there's other little things that each of the kids have had made kind of personalize it. So. Um, uh, Ting made bread herself and then handed out the bread to everybody um, to eat. Um, my daughter, my eldest daughter, Kyleen, um, got baptized in our hot tub. That was what she wanted to do, is coming of age. Our son, Tywin, um, found some uh, edible paper and had everybody write their advice to him on the paper and then he would then consume it, he would devour it. We would inhale it, so to speak. Did he read it first? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he read it out loud. 
and said, that's good advice, and then ate it. Okay. Made it his. And then he also, um, we were on the beach. Or went down like, the beach. Don't eat paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This is, no, this yeah. is arsenic. <laughs> yeah. Don't eat cyanide. He, he um, also uh, ran into the ocean and came back, which was another type of baptism, but it was this idea that he would go into the ocean as a boy and come back as a man. And um, so, so that, I think, was very memorable to them, and, and um, it really marked that transition from being a child to being on their own, from being a child to being an adult. And um, there, as I, I was thinking about that, I realized that, you know, I've been to a lot of weddings and each wedding is a little different and people try to kind of like, I wouldn't say outdo, but they try to make the wedding their own to reflect their own personality. And I realized that we should do that with funerals. Mm. Mm, right. we, should, we, should, we should be thinking about that. Like, what would make a really great funeral? Like, how would you do a good funeral or a funeral that really worked? And what do you want a funeral to do? And I, I never thought about that before until this walk. And, and I thought it was a pretty cool uh, yeah. challenge thing to think about. Well, I think early in the week you kind of challenged me and Hugh. You go, you, go, you know, you guys should go to more funerals. Right. And what was the context of it that you told well, us that? Because that was an interesting insight, right. I thought. Right, yeah. So I'm 66 right now, and so I'm at an age where more of my colleagues are dying than before. So I've been to funerals recently, more than I'd ever been before, and it was really interesting about them. First of all, I mean, you know, I don't know if we're even allowed to enjoy a funeral. I mean, it's like, that's the weird thing about trying to design one. It's like, what are you trying to optimize? And, but one of the things that came away with from these funerals was this realization that in none of them were people really lauding the achievements of that person. I mean, the, the, the thing that you came away with was with person after person who was talking about what that person was like while they did their things, while they accomplished whatever they accomplished, what kind of a person they were, who they were rather than what they did. And that was like, well, that's an interesting metric because we don't often seem to be arranging our lives to optimize that and maybe we should and i think going to funerals is sort of like has helped me change my behavior in some ways it's like well you know it's really not about what we do but what we are and um we can be focusing more on on that and so that's one of the lessons i think came from and you know it still doesn't really well i mean there's still another leap well what would you do make your funeral better and maybe not waiting until we're dead to have those right. kinds of conversations about each other right um, introduce each other as uh, the kind of person they are instead of right, this is right, their profession right. I mean it, it, it's sort of like like I was thinking well how would I try to make how would I design my own funeral right I mean that's sort of like it's kind of a weird thing but um, one of the things I kind of realized was the whole point of life the reason why we're here for however long we're here is i mean even if we have like a even if we live infinitely long even if we have an afterlife even if the soul continues the thing about right now this 3d world and having flesh <laughs> is that we get to affect things 
It's like the maximum, like this reality is some weird thing where we have the power to affect things. And like if you're kind of a disembodied soul, you don't have much room to, there's no leverage to do things very much. You have an effect. You don't have an effect very wide. So this is sort of like this weird simulation or whatever it is where we can actually affect things. And so trying to affect things after you're dead is sort of, to me, you miss the point. Mm-hmm. So you don't really want to have a funeral where you're going to continue to try to affect the world because your time's done. That's the whole point. I'd like to push back on that idea. Okay. Okay. Because I think I, uh, I hope uh, you outlive me. I can't imagine a world without you. I don't like to even think about it. It makes this conversation difficult. <laughs> but uh, you're a few years older than me, so statistically, it might be something I have to deal with. And I want you to affect me after you're gone. And I want you to continue to push and move me, even mm-hmm. though your muscles aren't here to do it, so that I go on more walks. And I take this tradition of the walk and talk and introduce it to new people right. who are younger than me, and they get to talk about my death one day on video. Uh, so, Trey and I were... We cooked up an idea for you. Coming up with ways that you could actually move a lot of people around. Uh-huh. In, uh, in a way that I think you would enjoy from your ghost-like apparition afterlife. Right. Uh, Trey? Yeah, so here's the idea. And it's awesome collaborating with a sci-fi writer on this stuff because, you know, his, his brain works in these ways. That are, that are wonderful. So, by the way, I think we're not going to kill you now. Just so you know, <laughs> right. I don't, it's such a good idea. This is we're a very quiet. Thing. This is a very quiet part yeah, of the trail. Okay. If, if we yeah. if just walk this way, <laughs> you notice there's a holy <laughs> dog last night. <Right. laughs> just lay down here. Yeah. <laughs> for a couple of minutes. <laughs> don't worry. They're there. Don't worry. It'll all be over soon. Oh yeah. So. I think that there should still be, a, I think, a normal kind of funeral and, you know, a few people get up and say things and, because I think people do like to have a, a bit of a, a sad grief. I think that's, that's a path that a lot of people need and enjoy. And I know a lot of people are like, have a big party, but that seems a little weird too. So, sort of a, a multi-stage thing. So there's the traditional kind of, isn't that pretty? Yeah. Here, we're going to go in there and then... Um, no, sorry, we're all photographers, we love Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you're, you're cremated, okay, and okay. this is only half-baked, I think. So, you're cremated, and then we take the cremation and we put it into 100 little boxes. That uh-huh. are somehow arranged in, in a cube. Okay. Little parts of Kevin Kelly. Right. And then different people can take one of those little 100 boxes on one of these hikes around <laughs> the world and they lead uh-huh. a walk and talk <laughs> like this. And there's always uh-huh. a destination. Like you, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. find 10 final uh-huh. destinations, like a Santiago. Or oh, one of the 88 uh-huh. temples. You have to take the ashes to and you have to take them <coughs> and, and just oh. put them there. And because wow. this wonderful tradition that you've 
you've shared with us of walking and talking. We have 10 right. people on this one. I know right, right. you guys have done one in Japan, which right. we'll have to do right. soon. Uh-huh. They're really nice. And of maybe, course, you'll maybe, come. Maybe New Zealand? Yeah, New, New Zealand, Zealand, of course. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, some conversation would be about you, but it would carry on this very fun, right. light, philosophical, intellectual kind of thing that it just really stimulates us all to to be better and to help push the world in the right direction. Right. Um, yeah, something like this. And I think we could add more to it, but... I, I like that idea yeah. very much. Um, I think we can make some fancy little boxes, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they might, right when you bring them together, they might do something. Oh, at like the end. If you get two together, they do one thing, but once yeah. you get ten together, they do... Uh, like, a, like a Hellraiser yeah. cube, little, and open a vortex. A RFID <laughs> stuff. Um, RFID could be 3D printed, all kinds of... Yeah, they could be uh -huh. interconnect. That's wonderful. So the competing best idea I've heard about uh, what to do with my remains is... Um, Chris, on our trek here, mm -hmm. he's mentioning this uh, version where you're kind of put your body into a bag that has like a seedling in it ah, and that's cool. your body turns into a fruit tree oh. and then people can eat you. Right. <laughs> Interesting. That's I thought cool. that was really yeah. cool. That is kind of neat. You get that tree planted and yeah. maybe that becomes a pilgrimage right. place and people right, want to right. come eat from Kevin Kelly. Uh -huh. Yeah. We thought also about bronzing you and hollowing you out and carrying you around like a Stanley <laughs> Trophy. <laughs> Drinking <laughs> beer out of you? Yeah. Canadian beer? Yeah. Like yeah. Who's got to carry Kevin today? Right, right. So, 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 so that's one. Oh, before we get yeah, off the yeah. death ritual, yes. Uh, one of the best ones I've ever heard is when you discovered while we were in uh, Vigo. Right. The boats. Yeah, I was in Portugal um, uh, a few days before this in Porto, and I met a lady, and she loves. She was the. She's about sixty-five. She's the wife of my friend Jose, and his Maria. She loves boats. And she's never really been able to afford a boat, but she's about to. And she says she wants to die on a boat. And there's a small island off the coast of Portugal where you take your boat when you're ready to die, and you anchor up, and then you die there. And now it's become a cemetery of, of boats. Oh, the boats stay boats anchored. Stay, they're the still boats there. stay anchored. You can go visit oh, them. Yeah. Wow. Until the next storm comes and washes them away. And and I think they just stay there. I mean, okay. they might. It might take you know 50 storms and they sink. Right. But some people go there, ready to die, and they don't die. They just live among. And they the, keep living. The, the grave boats. Interesting. Whoa, I know. Yeah, spooky. That's better than wow. any story I've ever come up with, and it's real. Yeah. yeah. I would like to go visit that too. That's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's just kind of end it on a high note. <laughs> None of us are close to death. Yeah. I would like that idea. Unless I come up with a better idea in a future episode, uh, st stick with that one. Yeah, but season 42, yeah. we'll show you one of the boxes. We'll be on a different walk. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Love you too. Yeah. Love you guys out there. Stay awesome. Um, see you next time. Bye. Right. Let's walk towards the light. Hello, ladies. <laughs> this always scares them. It makes them laugh. I do that all the time. I just I love. Only, I think it only works with you. I'd be slapped. There's something so disarming about you. <laughs>